Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of Broadcasting Politics with Cisco and Falzone, the Cisco and Falzone Hour. Cisco Costa and Mark Falzone, which he's not going to be here tonight, but we have a fantastic guest. His name is Dylan Howard. He just wrote a book, COVID-19 Investigation, the greatest cover-up in history, from Wuhan, China, to the White House. Dylan Howard is a man with unprecedented access to the facts and a reporter who's, which is one of the most feared journalists in Hollywood. Investig- investigative reporter Dylan Howard has cracked open scandals that have brought down the careers of Mel Gibson, Charlie Sheehan, Hulk Hogan, Paula Dean, and numerous others. He will be here in about five minutes. But I know everyone's focusing on the debate tonight. But what they're not focusing on, the revelations that have come out about one of Hunter and Joe Biden's business partners. He has come out and indicated that Vice President, former Vice President Biden, was called the big guy. The big guy. He got Millions and millions from China. Tony Bobolisky released a statement to the New York Post confirming everything in regards to the amount of money that the Biden family, the Biden criminal syndicated family, has received money from a business deal with China. Okay? So this is not Russian disinformation as the left media, left-wing media is trying to portray. It's not. As a matter of fact, the Senate Committee and uh, Homeland Security um, in Government Affairs and Senate Committee are finally requesting all documents relating to business affairs with Biden. Okay? This is something that can and should and should sink the hope of uh, Joe Biden's presidency run. But since we know that the media and big tech companies have done their job over the past several weeks, they have made the story irrelevant. If it was the other way, if it was the other, if it was Trump, they'd get it. They would be on top of it. Okay, but since it's, you know, creepy Joe, they're protecting him, you know? Um, it's, it's basically, they have come out with this idea. They're obsessed with Russia, Russian disinformation or implied lies. Okay. But we have seen the situation with Hunter Biden in the Ukraine where he got money. Uh, he sat on a board, which he was not qualified to, but just because, you know, the big guy who is Joe Biden. He had the wheels. I mean, he had the power. He was the vice president, of course. So this is what you're going to see. Talk about corruption. You know, the left loves to talk about the current corruption, uh, the corruption that was there with Obama and, 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 and um, Biden. And as a matter of fact, this guy, Tony Bobolsky, has actual emails actual emails implicating 
Creepy Joe and his creepy son. Totally, totally disgusting that we have a, a media that's so biased. Unless you hear it on this program or you hear it on programs that are actually reporting the real news, not the fake news, we wouldn't be in this situation because Joe Biden would have been discarded already. In a true, unbiased media, he would not be running. He would not have a chance to run. But anyway, let's bring in on Mr. Dillon. Hello. <laughs> how are you doing? Yes. Hi. How are you? All right. Well, welcome to the um, broadcast in politics. We are we are so excited to have you on. Uh, you are the most feared investigative uh, journalist reporter in Hollywood. <laughs> well, I mean that's quite the introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the description. <laughs> Well, um, welcome again. Uh, so you just basically um, wrote a book, uh, The Greatest Cover-Up in History, from Wuhan to the White House. Tell us a little bit more of, of what, how you came about writing that book. Well, the reality is that every corner that you look around the globe, there mm-hmm. has been a level, level of cover-up with relation mm-hmm. to the pandemic. And we can talk about the United States and the lying and disinformation that has come out of Mm -hmm. uh, the White House. But if you bring it back to the very origins of the pandemic in Wuhan, you have the Chinese Communist Party, in many ways, creating confusion and spreading disinformation. And I give my credit to one particular individual, Mm -hmm. Dr. Lee. He was a physician at the Wuhan General Hospital Mm -hmm. who blew the whistle on the virus via social media. How did the Chinese government deal with that? They claimed that he was spreading disinformation. They arrested him. Mm-hmm. They charged him. And so began year, uh, months and months of cover-ups on behalf of the Chinese government. If we think that the Chinese government has been honest and open and transparent about its uh, position on the pandemic, then you're absolutely kidding yourself. The reality, (laughs) the great travesty of this situation is that Dr. Lee actually died of the COVID virus. Mm -hmm. He blew the whistle on it, but because he was silenced and muzzled by a regime that is a communist regime, a dictatorship, then the the world and the World Health Organization Mm -hmm. didn't know the truth about the extent of the pandemic. Based on your investigation, is it true that the the it, the the virus did not originate in February or in January? It actually started earlier than that, like September. Or well, even I do early. believe that the virus uh, began much much earlier okay. than people believe, and um, I'm in a unique position to speak about that because I. Um, had suffered a very serious illness in Australia at Christmas uh, last year. I had every symptom that has been described 
as being a COVID symptom. I had been traveling internationally Mm -hmm. and um, I was diagnosed in Australia with what they deemed to be bird flu. Now, the reality is the bird flu virus is very similar to the COVID-19 virus. And I believe, quite frankly, that Australian medical authorities were unable to identify what this virus was that I had and classified it as the most common type of virus that they could associate it with. I don't subscribe to the theory that this was a man-made virus or somehow inadvertently escaped from a laboratory in China. The reality is that, I don't know whether you've ever been to China, I have. I have. The the wet markets that exist, Mm -hmm. um, where you can buy any exotic animal that you want, um, any type of... uh, uh, animal that may be carrying any virus is readily available to you at reasonable sums of money. Mm -hmm. And all evidence suggests that the virus originated within the uh, Wuhan wet market and was transmitted um, from uh, animal to human contact. Now, it is a convenient theory to suggest that the virus uh, was a bioweapon created by China to establish its might and power in the uh, right. world eco- uh, geopolitical system. It's simply not the fact. That's a conspiracy theory. And again, that feeds into the whole notion that this is a cover-up. This is undoubtedly the greatest cover-up in the history of the world. This is our World War Three. Right, right. So based on the money that was shipped to the Wuhan laboratory in Wuhan, uh, by the NIH and also Dr. Fauci and, and the Obama administration, that money, what was that money actually used for? Because according to sources in China, that's where the, the man-created virus was established. That that was. I, that, that, I, I'm not here to debate the merits of the theories oh yeah. that, that, that money was transferred and this could have been some sort of deliberate setup. What I'm yeah. here to is to point out the reality that the mm-hmm. uh, governments of Western countries took a page out of the playbook of the Chinese communist regime, a totalitarian okay. regime that is known for spreading disinformation, misinformation, and confusing individuals of this country. When it comes to the United States, there is no denying, and I will fight you on this tooth and nail, that President Donald Trump has sowed misinformation into the minds and hearts of Americans, which has created the divided states of America, where where, uh, governors that are responsible for various states choose to respond to the pandemic based on ideological lines, not along, not uh, consistent with what should be the recommendations of the federal government. Now, the reality here is there should have been a united approach in how to deal with the virus. There was Mm -hmm. not. So Donald Trump absconded his responsibility and allowed governors, based on whether they were blue or red, to make decisions on how to handle the virus. And I believe that that has resulted in tens of thousands of lives that would not necessarily have been lost for a regulated, regulatory 
um, method in which the government dealt with the pandemic as opposed to absconding, the White House absconding from its responsibilities. Okay, so when he went ahead and banned flights from China and from Europe, that actually, didn't that actually prevent more, more deaths than what has happened? There is no doubt that some decisions that were made through the administration mm-hmm. were the right decisions. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt about that. But was it quick enough? We don't know the full extent to which the government knew mm-hmm. about the risk associated with the virus, whether the virus was going to be as potent as it was. And I think that the White House still has not answered questions. What we need is a Senate inquiry in which everyone is placed in a position under oath where they answer questions. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I spoke to an undersecretary within the Trump administration last week, and he Mm -hmm. told me, do not expect that this virus is going anywhere, but where it is right now through the summer of next year. Mm -hmm. That is a frightening thought. We're not hearing that from the authorities inside the White House. They're playing it down. Why? Because it's been weaponized as a political pawn in a game to get either Donald Trump elected or, in the Democratic side, Joe Biden elected. And they're prepared, both sides of the political aisle, are prepared to compromise the health of Americans as a result. Okay, so I, I see where you are putting blame on, on, on the administration, and, and, and I totally agree that in some cases, yes, they, they should. But I think also there's, blame, there's plenty of blame to go around. I mean, starting from the WHO, starting from the CDC, I mean, it's it, it basically one moment you should wear a mask, another moment you should not wear a mask. Uh, well, the World, so who, the World Health Organization's culpability in this is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. This is an organization that clamped down on China through the SARS pandemic and criticized it. Yet, as China rised as supreme power within the geopolitical ecosystem, the World Health Organization, partly funded by China, all of a sudden was praising China for its reaction to the pandemic. China deserves not one ounce of praise for the way in which it handled the pandemic. Do I believe that China has been forthcoming about the total numbers of deaths related to the pandemic or that they've necessarily been open and honest about the extent of the spread? Absolutely not. Definitely, definitely. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, what's the... Um what would, you, what would you consider to be the culpability of Europe and the rest of the world in regards to uh, the spread of COVID? Should, have, should governments have clamped down earlier? Because no doubt. Happened? Absolutely no doubt. Yeah. And you're wearing a mask if you don't think that that was the case. Take Britain, for example. Uh, Boris Johnson's popularity was significant prior to the pandemic. His handling of the pandemic, and as someone who suffered as a result of the pandemic, was appalling. They prioritised the economy over the health and well-being of their citizens. They downplayed the extent of the virus in an effort to try and maintain their popularity as a political party. And that compromised lives. 
in the United States, exactly the same. In Australia, mishandling, mm-hmm. mishandling of the cruise ship uh, situation. Uh, and then you take a country like New Zealand that put, some would argue, draconian measures in place that uh, effectively locked down the entire country. But look at the spread of the virus. It was minimal. And it was one of the first countries to reopen business. The leader of that country, the Prime Minister, was recently re-elected, in part because of her staunch way in which she dealt with the COVID virus. She is a torchbearer of how a government should have reacted to the virus. Instead, we're now in a situation where there is no end in sight in many Western countries as to when the virus is going to end, when there is going to be a vaccine, and when governments are are going to unite at a state and federal level to ensure that the well-being of citizens mm-hmm. are first and paramount of mind. Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned the vaccine. Well, we just had the pre- President Trump. He, he got sick and he got well. And he's been clear. And he did not have to have, uh, he did not get a vaccine. So there, well, there he did not more. get a vaccine, no, but he had treatment, and he, he had, had treatment of a uh, untested method, right. which might well have worked. And in his instance, if it did work, then God bless him. Um, right. But you have to in, you have to understand that people with uh, different conditions, pre-existing or not, are going to react differently to the virus. And I was asked earlier today if. Um, someone tried to disavow the notion that 200,000 deaths in this country is simply as a result of COVID or the fact that they might have had pre-existing conditions that made them vulnerable to COVID-19. It Uh doesn't matter. Regardless of the fact, here is the scenario. Whether you have a pre-existing condition that makes you more vulnerable to the disease, it's immaterial. Okay. These people still got COVID and still die. No, I, I, I completely understand that. But when, when we had people actually also die from the flu. They do, but not to the extent of COVID. Okay, okay so, so in 2009, when Barack Obama and Joe Biden were, were uh, in, they controlled the White House, we had the HN1 and swine flu, and there were 60 million people who got infected. And nothing got shut down. So what's the difference between that scenario and this current scenario? I think one needs to consider the virus. This is a very different virus to the others. Okay. Those viruses had the potential to kill. This virus has a proven record of killing. And the response to it cannot be compared to other viruses. Each case needs to be taken on its merits. And just because a disease previously existed, was handled in one way, does not not resolve the president or his administration 
for their handling of the virus. The government knew how deadly this virus was, how, how it was a super spreader, how it was uncontrollable. There was no, there was zero uh, um, uh, effect of medication to be able to mitigate the symptoms of the virus. So it's impossible to compare the two together. It's very convenient to, for those that believe in Donald Trump, but let's face it, he's a guy who holds political rallies and the people behind him are wearing masks. He's not wearing masks, but those in front of him are not wearing masks. Herman Cain died as a result to a Trump rally that ultimately became a super spreader. The reality is the White House became a hotbed of mm-hmm. COVID-19 and infected many, many staffers and individuals there within because of the Supreme Court nominee's uh, Rose Garden appearance where people right. weren't wearing masks. Chris Christie has said he wishes that he wore a mask. Right. So the reality is as much as people will try and defend the president or the administration along ideological lines, it's impossible to vindicate them because right. the reality of the situation is there is culpability from the highest levels down, including at the state level. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I don't disagree with you on that. I'm just, I'm just trying to look at how the coverage of the media has been when there were 60 million people who got infected and only 6 million have gotten infected, and it's totally, completely, everything got shut down. And, if one, and it, one and life the, lost to COVID-19 is one too many. If the government knew information right. and disclosed and did not disclose it to the wider nation. And herein lies what is the greatest cover-up in the history of the United States. The government knew about the potential virality of this disease. Right. It did little to stop the spread in the initial days. Even through, ja- uh, through July 4th, President Trump was saying that the virus was going to disappear, that it wasn't right. potent. Well, yeah. the president's wrong. People can't acknowledge that the president is negligent in his handling of the virus, then we have a serious problem. But then again, this comes back to one simple point. The media in itself is divided upon ideological lines. Right. You have media outlets that are going to uh, cover Donald Trump because they know that he's rating his gold, but are also going to critique him because they know that they've been weaponized and they don't want him re-elected. Then you have other outlets that want him re-elected. So the distrust in the media is almost equal to the distrust in the government and the White House which is a real travesty for the American people because gone is the era of truth and tradition in journalism in which journalists hold people to account. These aren't journalists anymore. These are activists who are fighting for a cause. And that cause is either to get Donald Trump reelected or Donald Trump tossed out of the White House. Uh, Absolutely correct. Now, 
where do you see the situation? And you mentioned earlier Australia. I follow. I have friends in Australia. Uh, the whole situation in Victoria, uh, in Melbourne, is totally out of control. Uh, I think Prime Minister Morrison and Andrews have done a horrible job in regards. Where do you see Australia, the current situation of uh, of the handling of uh, Daniel Andrews and, and Scott, Scott, uh, Scott Morrison? Well, Daniel Andrews uh, is culpable in many ways for allowing the spread of the pandemic based on mismanagement. He was a premier of a state, the equivalent of a governor, who allowed private contractors to exchange sex with people in quarantine for freedom. Mm -hmm. I mean, that in itself is one of the most unbelievable scenarios (laughs) for one to think about. Now, Daniel Andrews in Victoria has been uh, uh, very autocratic in the Mm -hmm. way in which he has handled the virus. Some will say to the economic disadvantage of the state. But they're now in a situation where they're having one or two cases a day of this virus. And you know what? It might well have an impact on the economy, but if it saves one life, then the actions of that government are indeed in the interests of the Victorian people. I wish that some of our states would take heed from places like Victoria in Australia mm-hmm. and have those draconian measures. Because you know what? Maybe the number wouldn't be 200,000 plus. It might be less. Right, right. Well, okay, and, and I, 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 as a contrarian that I am, New York, New York City, my hometown, okay, they basically had a big spike number, the highest deaths in uh, in the country, and for a while they were doing well, and now they're back up. So how how would you handle? Because Governor Cuomo and most of the Democratic governors have you know basically set up very draconian measures, and still it has not been successful. I think New York City is a unique position because a lot of people from New York City, you've got to understand this virus peaked during the summer. A lot of people left the city. What I, for one, left the city. The building that I lived in, or I live in, had a 20% occupancy during the summer as right. opposed to 100% occupancy. So New York is a very different case scenario. There is clearly a disparity between the governor and the New York City mayor, Bill de Blasio. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there are also religious issues that are um, the virus. Uh, there's no, there is, a, there is a direct correlation between the spike in COVID-19 cases and the Jewish community in Brooklyn. Yeah. And whether or not, you know, that is something that people are prepared to accept, the simple fact is the math suggests that. Um, and that we're not enforcing, again, a uh, set of regulations across the country that are uniform, that are government-led, that are endorsed by Dr. Fauci and others. Instead, Dr. Fauci and others 
their credibility is questioned. And what does that do to the people of America? It sows a seed of doubt in their minds. Is Dr. Fauci telling the truth? Do I believe Dr. Fauci? Is he credible? Is he authentic? That's what the government has done. That is what the White House has done. And that is not in the best interest of the American people. No, I, I agree. I agree. But I think that Dr. Fauci has brought that onto himself also. How? How? He, he, first of all, he said no mask. And then he said mask. Then he said, he indicated, oh. But, but again, to... this is a rapidly changing environment. I, I if, know, but, if, but, but if, that, if that, masks that... were not considered normal early on in the days of the virus, yet it was discovered that it could mitigate the risk, then, of course, a, a public health official that is bipartisan is able to change his mind. Well, uh, not just that case. He indicated also, and I got the quotes, I, I mean, it, they're on, on tape, where basically he said, keep doing what you're doing, it's not a problem. And not just him. Other political officials in New York City came out and said, don't worry about it, keep going. I'll go to Chinatown. I personally was Which New York official said go to Chinatown? The, 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 the director of Health Human Services, the doctor, I mean, the, the, the just chief. Just the simple notion that a government elected official would say it's okay to go to Chinatown shows a blatant racism that cannot be avoided. Right. Do, do we think that Chinatown is more of a hotspot in New York City because the virus originated in China? That is absurd. That's well, racist. That's basically, uh, so they were encouraging, encouraging people to continue to live their lives, even though we knew that the virus was hitting New York City. So that's the, that's the problem I have, because I was wearing a mask on February 1st, and that's because I have friends from, from China and Taiwan who basically gave me the heads up. Everyone is coming back from China. You better start preparing yourself. I don't understand. I mean, the way in which you're speaking, you sound like an apologist for the Trump administration. I'm not a, no, I'm, I, I, I'm the type that I basically tell it like it is. Both officials have had, they have made mistakes. But the problem we have here today is the media basically focuses on one side but not the other. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Do you think that President Trump has been honest and forthcoming about the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I, 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 I have. Yeah, I well, do. You're, I do you're because, smoking something worse than COVID-19. I do because he went ahead and, and banned the flight. This is a man who said that the virus was going to disappear based on hot weather. This is a man who said okay. the virus could be cured by disinfectant. He was following what Dr. Fauci and... and, Dr. and Fauci all, never said no, that no, but, Clorox could cure the virus. He was following what the advisors uh, from the CDC Dr. were telling Dr. Fauci or the CDC never said that the over-the-counter okay. Clorox cure the virus. So I to think, point that out, right. in defense of President Donald Trump, makes you nothing more than an apologist 
no. for the mishandling of the government situation. So wait, wait a minute. So you're, you're telling me that there's one person that is to be blamed for this, but everyone else is not to be blamed for it. I mean, you, don't, you, have, you have Nancy Pelosi who came out and said... I'm continue. not defending the Democrats. I am oh. not defending okay. the Democrats. But for that. you to say that Donald Trump has not done anything wrong in his... No, I didn't, say, I didn't say that. I said that I, I believe, in my honest opinion, that he took the steps before anyone else when he banned the flights from China, when he banned the flights from... Right. from, from Fine. And I'll give you credit for that. Right, I give him yeah. 100% credit for that. But what about, what about saying that disinfectant will cure the virus? Right. No, I, I, I agree from with you. From the White House podium. I, I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I'm just saying that the coverage, what upsets me is let's have a balanced coverage. There's room for everyone to get blamed. There's well, enough we're never going to get a balanced coverage because the media has become weaponized in a fight for the political okay. future of the Democratic Party or the GOP. Okay. That's a sad realization. And, and you think around the world the same thing is, is I, this, this virus has become very political? I'm sorry, sir. Repeat the question. I, I, I missed that. I, oh, I was asking you if the virus since it's so political, politicized here in the United States, do you think it's been politicized around the world also? Uh, I do, yes, absolutely. There's no doubt that governments have made decisions about the virus uh, that have been in the interest of uh, boosting the economy and avoiding a recession uh, or a depression. Right. And I think that has cost lives. I really do. No, I agree. I agree. I agree totally. Now, what happens in a situation, and I know a lot of countries criticize Sweden, but Sweden never shut down. And Sweden has been very, just, I mean, they've done real, really well. I, I will be honest and tell you that I've not necessarily investigated Sweden as a country and its response to the pandemic. Um, But it is a fair question. I I do know that um, Sweden has been praised for its handling of the virus and the spread of the virus. Um, And without sounding to minimalise that of the Swedish people, it is not a superpower like China, the United States, um, or other countries that are in the G8 that have mishandled the virus. Right. But, but the number of people who have died has not been great, and, and, and they didn't shut down their economy. Look, look, there is no doubt that every country has had a unique position when it mm-hmm. comes to dealing with the virus. I am particularly interested in G8 countries, mm-hmm. and I'm particularly interested in the country in which we live, the United States. And if anyone thinks that Donald Trump has handled the virus immaculately and not spread misinformation, disinformation, sowed confusion amongst the citizens of this country, then they are smoking something far more powerful no, than COVID-19. I, 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 I agree that there's been some miscalculations in 
expressing certain views. That I, I I'll give you I'll give you that. But what what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the whole picture. I'm looking at at the responsibility of the different governors. I mean, you know, Governor Cuomo sent infected people into nursing homes. I don't I, disagree with you. I, I have don't I, I have I have an aunt who's in a very good nursing home on the Upper West Side where I where I, where I lived all my life. And, you know, she could have been one of them. That, uh, I have no doubt. I, look, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. The New York uh, officials have not necessarily treated this flawlessly, but they've treated it better than the White House. Okay. So I'll present you with another question. When they needed ventilators, the president was there. When they needed uh, 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 hospitals to be built, Hey, they took Jacob Javits, which is a big place they built. When they wanted totally agree a, with you. Totally agree with you. Okay, they, they went ahead and they bought the the, the, uh, the ship from Norfolk. Would North you prefer to be prepared or underprepared? Right, but it, at that stage, we did not know how voracious this virus could be. And right. the, the modeling suggested that it could be far worse than what it was. Right. And if you prepare in advance and take preventative measures by building a hospital inside the Javits Centre, you know what? My tax dollars are being spent well. No, I agree. Totally. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying when, when we hear the criticism that is going towards, and, and he deserves certain, you know, certain criticism, but when he went ahead and took care of the, those issues that each of the states required and asked them, to do for them, he went ahead and did it. So the, I think the response has been pretty, pretty good. Look, I think that upon reflection, we can say with comfortable, with comfortability, mm-hmm. that governments have had good moments and bad moments. Got it. Got Unfortunately, it. the White House, as the most preeminent institutional organization of the of, of the country has sowed the seed of doubt in the minds of American people that it has sowed misinformation into the minds of those individuals and as a result the virus is not treated with the respect or concern that it should be and right. as a result Unnecessary lives have been lost. And therefore, the federal government and state governments have blood on their hands. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to touch on the latest news that came out of the World Health Organization. They said that lockdowns are not things that, they sh- that governments should be imp- imp- uh, executing. Because at this point in, in, in time, that would basically do more damage than good. What, what's your take on that? I believe that it depends on the scenario and the circumstance, the country and the spread of the pandemic. The notion of herd uh, mentality is not something that I agree with, but I do believe that um, 
the notion of self-quarantine has in many ways uh, stymied the flow of the virus. Now, it's, it's really dangerous to call that shelter in place because mm-hmm. shelter in place is uh, a, a world war terminology that suggests that people don't leave bunkers, which again spreads misinformation and fear. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Herd mentality um, is not something I subscribe to, but I do think every scenario needs to be treated individually based on the numbers and based on the spread of the virus. And no situation is the same as the other. Every, Every county in New York State is different and it has to be treated with a different set of circumstances. So... I'm going to present you with something that really, on, on my research that I've done, homeless people in New York City, in different parts of the country, they've done studies, very low infection rate among homeless people with COVID-19. Well, I've never been a homeless person. <laughs> no, no, no. With respect. No, no. I don't know. Again, this is all about human-to-human contact. If somebody right. has the virus and if a homeless person has the virus and they're sleeping next to a homeless person that has the virus, they're likely, or doesn't have the virus, they're likely to spread the virus. This right. is, there, is no, there is no clean-cut answer to this. Right. right. And, and I don't think you can point to a lack of infection rate amongst homeless individuals as a reason why some of the information is distorted. Here's what the facts are. The facts are the president has has diminished the extent of COVID-19 in the country for his own political benefit. He's weaponized the virus, sowed misinformation and disinformation and spread lies. Challenge me on that. You can't. Well, I, 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 will tell you, I, I, I will tell you that the Democrats have done the opposite. They have spread fear for political reasons, too. I, I don't disagree with that. But yeah. I look to the, to the elected officials mm-hmm. to provide guidance yes, through yes. a crisis. I agree. Not, not the opposing party that doesn't have power. No, I agree. I agree. There, there should have been a little bit more uh, defined process, a, a, a more well-defined process. Um, and, and, and without a doubt, there's been some mistakes along yeah, the way. The thing. There has been mistakes on both sides of the political aisle. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, the reigning political party in the United States at the moment is the GOP, and its handling of the virus has been grossly inadequate. And I challenge anyone to say that President Trump has handled the virus flawlessly. Unfortunately, um, I have another interview coming up, so I'm going to have to let this one go. All right. I'll tell but you, I thank, do appreciate the very healthy debate. Yeah, definitely, Dylan. Great. Good luck. And can you give us the name of your book and, and the Absolutely. website? It's called uh, From Wuhan to the White House. COVID-19, The Greatest Cover-Up in History by Dylan Howard and Dominic Utten. And you can get your copy at www.wuhan2thewhitehouse.com. 
Fantastic. Thank you again. And, and, and right conversation. Spirited? <laughs> spirited at the very least. Hey, that's, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker, so it's always going to be spirited. Excellent. But, Thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, all right. It. Have a good one. Cheers. That Bye-bye. Was, Bye. That was Dylan Howard, the greatest cover-up in history from Wuhan to the White House. So it's definitely go out there and pick that book. Totally. That was great. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right. We're moving on. We're moving on. We have a lot more to cover. That was intense. I haven't had an intense debate like that in a while, and I loved it. You know, he challenged me, and I challenged him. But as we go towards uh, the election, which is coming up, you know, everyone go out there and vote. We need every vote because otherwise we will not have the system that we have right now. And if you and if you believe that this current system is good for the American people, you will not vote for the opposite party because they have told you already, socialism, communism. Versus socialism, communism. I always bring up the story, the history of Venezuela. Very enriched country, oil rich, booming, middle class, upper middle class, well-to-do families. And it went from being rich to being a third world country today. It started with Hugo Chavez, and now it's with Maduro. Dictators, and they basically control the whole country. Now, the oil that they have is no longer controlled by Venezuela. It's controlled by the Chinese and the Russians. They own that oil. Why? Because they mismanage the country. They had to borrow money from the Chinese and the Russians. And the Chinese and Russians are not stupid. We lend you money. We need something to be used as collateral. You don't pay us, we take over. And that's what they have done. And the Chinese and the Russians also have targeted, no, more, mostly Chinese have targeted Ecuador for their oil too. So you, you, have, you have countries that have gone from capitalism democracy, constitutional republics to socialism because, you know, everyone portrays socialism like it's the socialism from Sweden or from, you know, Holland or some of these countries. But what they forget is that some of these countries have a blend. They have a hybrid system. They have a blend of socialism and they have a blend of capitalism. Well, countries like Venezuela have gone totally socialism, communism. And if we elect the opposition party here, we will have the same. There's no doubt about it. That's their goal. Control everything. They'll control your life. You know, so 
very big November 3rd. You have to go out there and vote for the party that is going to continue to give you that freedom and and, and, and continue to uh, push for capitalism. Without capitalism, the country will die. So, anyway, let's get back to the scandal. The biggest scandal that no one is hearing about it because, you know, the left-wing media doesn't cover it. They don't. They ignore it. And NPR, typical left-wing communist uh, outlet, said it's not important. It's, not, it's a waste of time. Why? Because it involves their boy, you know, Creepy Joe and his son, Creepy, Creepy Hunter. You know, it's 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's an amount of of scandals that happened during the previous administration, and everyone keeps it really. You know, they keep it. You know, the one thing that really makes me happy is that the and and and, and you know the big te- the big tech media like uh, Facebook and 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 Twitter and Instagram and all, all of them. And YouTube, they, they are basically practicing Chinese censorship all over. Um, they do not allow anything. You know, they have these fact checkers, you know. Uh, they're, they're considered to be the ones that approve what, what, what you can post, what you can say. And again, this is part of their plan, Okay. The communication aspect of it's control it's going to be controlled by the media, just like they do in China. In China, you don't print anything unless the Chinese government approves it. And that's where we're heading if we elect the opposition party. Really want to believe me? Do some, do some research on what transpired in Venezuela, do some research on what transpired in other countries that have gone from capitalism to socialism to communism. That's the step. Those are the steps that they take. And the media, uh, education, healthcare. Hey, in Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, when he was elected, when he, I mean, when he was running, he said, everyone's going to get free healthcare. Free healthcare? Oh man, I'm going to vote for this guy. Free healthcare? That sounds really out of this world. You know, I, I don't have to pay anything. No, you don't have to pay anything, but everyone else has to pay for you. And again, the middle class in Venezuela and the upper middle class said, "Hey, you know what? I got to take my money and leave because I'm paying for everyone." Everyone who doesn't want to work, everyone who doesn't want to do anything, uh, and that's when, like Margaret Thatcher, from uh, the former prime minister, said, "Socialism is only as good as 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 long as you have enough money in the treasury. Once that money runs out, socialism sucks. It brings misery. It brings devastation to a country because." The only way socialism can survive, pumping more money into it. 
Well, Venezuela couldn't because they went bankrupt to the point where they had to borrow money from China and Russia. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I'm quite sure that the debate tonight, it's going to, and it's happening now, is basically the opposition party is going to say, no, no, those are lies. Those are lies. Same thing Hugo Chavez said. Same thing Maduro said. You know, the op- they're lying. There's no, so- you know, we're not going to have and, and socialism. No way. Cuba. Hey, what happened when Fidel Castro took over Cuba? He promised everything to every Cuban. All the, all the middle class, well-to-do Cubans, their properties were stolen, were taken. Okay? I have family that, their, uh, you know, their property were taken to the point where they had to flee and get out of Cuba. And where's Cuba today compared to Cuba when Fidel Castro took over? It's still a third world country, a socialist, communist dictatorship. Okay? And of course, you have your apologists out there who say, oh, well, they, you know, they got great doctors. Uh, yeah, but you know, if you live in Cuba, and you're a Cuban citizen, you're not part of the Communist Party, you get rationing of your food, rationing of everything, okay? Do we want that in America? I don't think so. No, I know so. We don't want. But one of the problems that we have here is that we got, we got there's an infiltration of communists and socialists in this country. And that's what we're fighting. We are in a war with the, with the socialists and the communists. And then we have the apologists who support communists and, 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 and um, socialists. Um, so let's wake up. Let's get ready. And we're going to be, we're in a war. And if you, if you realize that, the sooner you realize that, the better you're going to be. Anyway, the other part that really um, makes me wonder uh, the future that we're having is this whole thing with, as, as Dylan Howard mentioned, that there's, uh, in regards to this virus continuing. Well, I, I hate to tell any, everyone that this virus is going to carry over to 2021. You know, uh, as much as I wanted to move away, there's a lot of political interest. Even after the election, there seems to be a, a trend towards continuing the fear-mongering. And that's the reason the president has been telling. He sent everyone a message. And I don't know if everyone captured that message. When he got sick and he went to Walter Reed and he came out after three days, he basically showed everyone, you don't need to get vaccinated. You can get other, you have other options. 
But there's a big push by the Bill Gates and the Fauci's of the world to basically push the vaccination narrative, which is fine. If you want to take the vaccination, go ahead. Any forced vaccination, that's going to, that's going to create a lot of problems. You know, but the president was out there basically showing that you have other options. Okay? And that didn't sit well with people in the pharmaceutical industry. That did not sit well with the Bill Gates and, and, and the World Health Organization all that have been pushing for the vaccine. That is a tremendous blow. And for anyone out there who's listening, remember who's telling you this. He sent an indirect message to the American people and to the whole world. You can get better without getting vaccinated. Of course, people say, well, he should have said something. No, he doesn't need to say something. He sent the message to everyone. This is how you can get treated. And that's going to be, that's going to be, that's something that's going to really capture people's attention when they go to vote because they're going to say that was a very good indirect to the American people. Anyway, we got two, almost uh, less than two minutes to go. I wanted to touch on the situation with um, one of the things that we didn't get to cover with Dylan, which was basically all this investigation. He's an investigative reporter, and he has cracked open scandals that have brought down the careers of of Charlie Chien, Mel Gibson, Hulk Hogan, and you know, today we don't have real, true investigative journalists. Journalism, in a way, has totally died. There's no total, open, honest investigation because it's been politicized. The media is not truly investigating. They are activists, like he indicated, Dylan Howerson. They're activists. All those reporters that go to the White House, all those reporters on state media, and, and they're all activists. And 90 to 95% of them are loyal to one party. They're loyal to the Democratic Party. And that's, that's, that's the reality. That's the reality. And, you know, growing up thinking, oh, they're reporting the news. Well, at that time, when I was a kid, yeah, they were reporting the news. But that's it. That's the, that part of the world, that part is totally, totally gone. We won't see that. We will not see that. And that's how sad our state media is. And um, so next week we'll try and get another, we'll get another great guest. Go out there to vote and have a great week, great weekend, and God bless America. Thank you and love you guys.